0: Good morning. Welcome to those online and those that will be listening later in the week. Uh, We have been uh, really in in a broader context going through the book of Ephesians. And uh, remember, the book of Ephesians is written to who? The church. Believers, right? In Ephesus and the surrounding region. Uh, As we've looked through the book of Ephesians, not only is it written uh, to believers, but we saw that the book was really cut into two parts. First half, Dealt with doctrine and many of the blessings that we have. And then in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, Okay, now that you know everything that's yours already, walk worthy. Right? He makes it real practical. And 4, 5, and 6 have been the practical application of 1, 2, and 3. All for the glory of God. also that we would have a walk worthy. Which means that our conduct matches our creed. That our beliefs match our behavior. Okay? And so into 4, 5, and 6... In the past few weeks, a couple months actually, we've been in Chapter Six, uh, walking through the armor of God. All right, and I want to read uh, Ephesians 6:10 through 17 to kind of get us uh, all back on the same page and lay the foundation again for the armor of God. It says this: Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay. And so each week we kind of have been asking the question, well, uh, are, you, are you suited up this morning? Yeah. Are you ready? Right. And, and uh, that verse where it says in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God or put on in some versions We've said before that that is an urgency. It's like, do it now, right? And, and I know that sometimes you're like, well, do I have to do that every day? You know, is it, is it just a mechanical thing? You know, just because he says to do it, I do it. Well, just kind of to, to help us understand, when it says to take up the whole armor or put on, it's not just sort of the mechanics of it. When a soldier would put on their whole armor, okay, there was a deep, meaning behind putting it on, which was, I'm ready for the coming battle. You see, putting on the armor of God isn't just this mechanical thing we do as Christians, like taking communion, like going to church, like reading your Bible, right? When we say take up or put on the full armor of God, what that means is, hey, do this in such a way and with the intent that you are gearing up for the coming battle, Daily, moment by moment. Do you see how that radically changes things? Because if you just turn into putting the armor of God into some mechanical thing, well, then it becomes just sort of, okay, another action, another thing. I just check off the list. If I wake up in the morning and I say, wait, there's, a, there's an enemy that's scheming against me uh, that ha- targets me individually, and the battle probably will come today. How many of you get a different sense of the need to armor up? In preparation for the coming battle. You see, what happens is a lot of times in our Christian faith, we're just reactive. We, we kind of, uh, there was a, a book I read a long time ago, and, and the author talked about how many in the church lack discipline, and that he called them spur of the moment Christians. And a spur of the moment Christian just kind of goes into the day and becomes very reactive, and in the spur of the moment, ah! Oh, Praise. Oh, what is that verse again? What is that? Who can I call pastor? Let me call a pastor. Let me text pastor. You know, and in the spur of the moment, because you didn't intentionally, proactively make choices to prepare for battle, to prepare for whatever may come that day, you are now a spur of the moment reactive Christian. Okay. Versus the heart of putting on the armor of God versus daily disciplines and habits, which prepare you. It's funny. Now that we leave the doors open, there's flies in here. <laughs> I told Tyler, I've never seen. And I'm above you, so they're like eye level to me, like above your head. So we, instead of spur of the moment Christians who are just reactive and tossed to and fro, we can choose to put on the full armor of God and be proactive, prepared Christians. Amen. Right. This is uh, an athletic uh, illustration is, uh, you know, I read stories long ago of Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant. He was already top of the game, one of the best ever. And he would literally get into the gym four or five a.m. in the morning and shoot thousands of free throws. And he was already top. Why would he go to Staples Center or to their gym at four or five a.m.? And shoot thousands and thousands of free throws when he was already Kobe Bryant. Do you know why he did that? He was shooting hundreds and thousands of free throws every day before anyone else to prepare for the one free throw that would win the championship. He was doing all of that in preparation for the moment of truth. And so many of us as believers, we walk around reactive, tossed to and fro when we don't realize that we can be doing things daily, habitually, that will prepare us for the moment of truth. How many of you have ever had this experience in your walk with Jesus where something happened and you reacted in a godly, biblical way and you even surprised yourself? Anyone? You're like, whoa, what happened? Well, it might have been because you were praying. Maybe you were praying and God gave you a word in the morning. Anyone ever get a word in the morning and somehow that scripture was needed later? What was that? That was proactive preparation. And so when we put on the armor of God, it's not just this mechanical thing. Okay? And, and, and it, there's, there's this depth to it that I need to be prepared for this day. And we've gone through the different uh, pieces of the armor. And, and I thought, okay, let me help you. Because maybe you're like, I want to do that. I've been doing that. But uh, what does that really look like? And so I wanted to, to maybe uh, just, I'm going to walk you through a, pe- a few pieces of the armor. And this is what I do. Uh, I'm not saying it's the only way. But this is how I, even when I'm driving, sometimes I'm driving from my house to here, this is how I'll put on the armor while I'm driving, right? So the belt of truth, you know, I'll say, okay, Lord, Romans thirteen fourteen. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I'm like, Father, okay, by faith right now, I'm just putting on Jesus. Thank you that I'm in Christ. And Father, you say that I'm to make no provision for the flesh. So Father, right now, I'm just putting on the belt of truth and I just purpose in my heart not to do that today, right? And then the breastplate of righteousness. Father, you say in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, thank you today that I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Thank you that even as I'm driving to the office, you're pleased with me. And Father, I just choose this moment right now. Just, I just want to honor you with righteous living today. That's how I put on the breastplate of righteousness. What am I doing? And you're going to see how this relates to uh, the armor we're going to talk about. And then the last piece of this passage where he says praying. What am I doing? I'm praying scripture. I'm incorporating scriptural truth into putting on the armor of God. Because uh, everything that we've been talking about has been scriptural. In fact, Romans 13, 14, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I just went back to the sermons that I preached. I said, there's some key verses. Right? How do you put on the shoes of the gospel of peace? Well, Romans 5.1. Father, you say in Romans 5.1 that since I have been justified by faith, I have peace with you through faith. Father, thank you that this morning I have peace with you. And then you say in Philippians that I can have the peace of God. So, Father, by faith, I'm going to claim the peace of God today in whatever circumstance. That's how I put on the shoes. I just incorporate biblical truth, scriptures, into how I'm praying for the day. That's how you put on the full armor. Okay? It, it's very specific. It's very specific, right? Uh, or if you, you if you're not, you know, haven't memorized the verses, you like the helmet of salvation. Last week you're like, "Father, thank you that I have been delivered from the penalty and power of sin." Father, thank you that I'm going to be delivered from the presence of sin. So, Father, today with the helmet of salvation on, I'm going to walk in joy and victory. See, by the end of my drive from home to here, whenever I do it at home, wherever, by the time I work through praying scripture and incorporating biblical truth into my life as a believer, I am radically ready for the day from the inside out because now my heart and mind are in sync with God's word and whatever is coming at me because I have the full armor of on based on scriptural truth, I am now filtering it and processing it biblically. Because much of what you deal with, much of what I deal with, honestly, it just goes back to the core truths we've been talking about, every piece of armor. Assurance of salvation, peace of God, peace with God, am I saved, all this. So I just, I wanted to kind of just take a few moments and give you an example. That's not the only way, but I would encourage you, putting on the full armor of God, you have to do it based on scripture. And take time, learn to, if you, I know some of you do this already, it's called, you know, some people call it praying scripture. Pray scripture. Right? A lot of times, again, we'll talk about more prayer when we get to the the next uh, verse, but Think about how do you pray? Is it just like asking God for things and talking at God? How many of us actually pray scripture? Father, thank you that I am justified. I am declared not guilty. Father, thank you that Romans 5.1 says, I have peace with you. Father, thank you that 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Does that change your prayer? Why? Because the prayer isn't self-centered then. You're praying scriptural truth back to the author and claiming it for you. That changes your level of confidence, that changes your whole view of yourself, and your level of readiness and preparation, and ultimately your joy and victory, because now you're simply praying God's truth and claiming it for you, right? That's how you put on the full armor, and that's why you put on the full armor. And so we're going to move forward today, and in 617 it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Again, take, right? It's a choice we have to make. Do it now, right? It's a choice. And then it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm going to ask you again, in this particular um, uh, piece of armor, not to check out on me. Because whether you've been in the church a long time, maybe VBS, whatever, and you say, oh, sword of the spirit, word of God. Oh, you're talking about the Bible. Yeah, I believe in the Bible. It's God's word. They teach it every... it's in the statement of faith here. Every time we every Sunday, somebody up front opens the Bible. I get it. Why do I and I'm gonna really encourage you because I, I've shared with you this phrase familiarity breeds contempt. So when he says take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, some of us here or at home or listening, you might just kind of numb out on me. You might go yeah. I'm in it every day, yeah, I love it, yeah, I got it, I'm in a Bible study, I'm in two Bible studies, I'm in three Bible studies, and I come to church. So I am fully into the Word of God. I'm going to ask you not to check out on me. Because um, really, as I just shared with praying with the Scripture, all the pieces of armor come back to the Word of God. Your eternal destiny is known by the Word of God. And so we have to not ever take it for granted. And so I, I want to just kind of wake us up a little bit. I want to uh, kind of give us some uh, teachable moments. So if you have your Bible, your word of God, right? I'm going to ask you just just kind of grab it, right? I Many of you bring it, if you're at home, I'm going to ask you, challenge you to do the same thing. I'll even give you five seconds to go run and get it. And... Uh, uh, just just a simple exercise. Just a simple exercise. Go ahead and take it out. could be digital. could be, you know, whatever. You have. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Digital is fine, you know. Ooh, they have a phone in church. Ooh. No, that's okay. Right? I think we're... Okay, just, just hold up whatever Bible you have. Okay. Wow, that is a pretty high percentage of glass in his in hands. Okay. Okay. No, come on. Hold it up like the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Like, Word of God. Okay, like, I, and I just want to just pause for just a moment. Okay, now we're not idolizing this or your app or whatever. We're just, we're, we're, we're in a broad sense, we're saying word of God. Don't say, this is the word of God. <laughs> this, just hang on what you just said, not me. Okay, now put it down. We're going to do it one more time, but we're going to change it just a little bit. Okay. Now you hold yours up. Hold up the word of God. Does this change anything? Because according to the 617, you're holding swords. You're holding swords. Does seeing this change anything for you in what you're holding? Okay, you put them down. Does it change anything? Does it change anything, Jordan? In fact, come up here, Jordan. He doesn't know I was gonna do that. I knew you knew like I knew I was gonna do it. Yeah. Let, let me just let me see. just hold it. Does it just change he put a why are you smiling? <laughs> I gave him a sword? He's a total guy. Give him a sword, he starts to smile. Right? Yeah. You're ready to hit something. <laughs> right? There's something very tangible, very very real about this. Right? You you hold. uh uh it's what they are. However you want to do it, it's what they are. Right? And then I was telling the leadership team, thank you, Jordan. And I was kind of fiddling with this last night. And I'm like, then I start to think of the context of sword in battle, because this particular piece of armor meant the enemy and you were about to collide. This makes it real, real quick. And uh, a Roman sword, this, this is actually a different model of a sword. Next Sunday, hopefully, we'll have a, what's called a gladius, which is the Roman sword. I'll show you what that is. Uh, Roman swords were called gladius. In fact, there was a nickname. This is the, a gladius was called the sword that conquered the world, right? About 20 to 30 inches long, about two pounds, uh, razor sharp on both sides. And the tip was so sharp that it was designed to pierce metal armor, And I was thinking of that, and I'm like, wow. That's some serious, serious things to consider. Because, you know, we talk about the shield of faith, and it's kind of like fiery darts, and this helmet, and a lot of the pieces of armor, We almost seem like it's like we've put on, and the enemy still way over there. But when you hold this, and you realize this is hand-to-hand, this is me against you, suddenly it elevates your, your sense of, I better know how to use this. This matters, right? And, and I share that with this to, to kind of just maybe right off the bat, reframe verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's a sword for hand-to-hand combat, right? It's, it, it's, it's really the only piece that's considered offensive and defensive. You could use it to parry things, uh, but the sword meant you were advancing. Right, and, and, and it's interesting, one of, the, one of the techniques that the Roman soldiers would do uh, was they would take their shields. We talked about the shield, right? About four feet tall. And what they would do is they would come up to the enemy and they would advance with the shields and then they would thrust. Advance, thrust. And I'm like, wow. Because that's called the shield of faith. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm like, that is pretty cool. Faith, Thrust. Faith, Word of God. Faith, Word of God. And I'm like, wow, that is so awesome. That is just such a great illustration. And and this morning, I I just want us to, to reframe and take an honest morning, whether you're here or at home or listening, I would really like you to take an honest morning about where you currently are in your heart, appreciation, love for the sword of the spirit, word of God, okay? Uh, we're going to be on, on this particular piece of armor probably at least two, maybe three weeks uh, because it's so important. It is so important, right? Second Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, what do, I, I've shared with you before, the, the three primary ways that the enemy can come at us, what? Discouragement, doubt, deception. False doctrine. Lies, right? John :844. 8, he's called the father of lies, right? Look at Hebrews 4:12. "For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what you have right here. That's what this is. It pierces. It pierces. Right? And, and I don't know if you've ever thought of the moment when, when you came to this point of, of revelation about Jesus and about your sin and the need for, for confession and repentance and putting your faith in Jesus. You know what happened? The word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit pierced your heart. That's what happened. All the hardness and all the anger and all the questions and all the doubt. Da, 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 You know what happened at that moment? Boom. That's what happens. And, and maybe you're going through issues and, and you got these things going on and, and God, through the, his word, will just pierce your heart with, with the truth. With the truth, you know? I've had situations where, where some, there's been lack of reconciliation in relationships. And, and suddenly someone will come, you know what? God just spoke to me, and I need to ask your forgiveness. God just spoke to me, and I need to make it right. You know what's happening at those times? God's piercing that person with, with his word, with his word, okay? That's what's going on here. And so we have to really just take time to really honestly say, where am I with this? Do I even understand the sword of the spirit? Why is it called the sword of the spirit? Why didn't they just say, take the Bible, right? Like, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, it's the sword of the spirit, right? We, we should probably start there. Why is it called the sword of the spirit? You ever think about that? Well, the sword of the spirit. Well, we know that really God spoke through the spirit. Through men, through the authors, right? You, if you're a believer, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. In John fourteen seventeen, the Holy Spirit is called what? The Spirit of Truth, Okay, in John 14, 26, Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to teach his disciples everything and bring to remembrance everything he said. Okay? The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to knowing the Word of God. You have to, right? That's why there's nothing wrong, and, and I encourage you share God's Word with non believers. But until the Holy Spirit moves, You're not going to out-debate them. It's the sword of the Spirit. Now, we share God's truth. I'm up here every Sunday. I open God's Word, and I say, Holy Spirit, you're going to do what only you can do. There's going to be X amount of people here in person, X amount of people online, X amount of people will hear it later in the week or down the road. I can only teach what God's Word says, but it's got to be the Spirit that pierces hearts. So in one sense, I'm free. And in one sense, you're free. If you're going to share God's truth with someone, you are free because it's got to be the Spirit that moves. Your responsibility is to share truth in the right context and share it accurately. Then you release that responsibility to the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, repentance, whatever is necessary. That's your freedom. Amen? Okay? The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 2. Now we have received The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Speaking to believers, when it says we have the mind of Christ, what that means, okay, when you were born again, when you put your faith in Jesus, when it says you have the mind of Christ, what that just means is that you are now able to understand this. That's what that means. Before that, according to this, when you were a natural person, spiritually dead, how many of you, before you were saved, someone tried to share scripture with you and you went, uh-huh, uh, yeah, good for you. Doesn't apply to me. Anyone? Philosophical quotes. Good. I used to, my wife shared that with me. She, I was not a believer when we first started dating. She tried to, like, share scripture with me. I was, like, so lost. I'm like, hey, those are good philosophical quotes. Good for you, right? I don't need God. Blinder than blind, right? Didn't get it. Because I didn't have the mind of Christ and I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Crazy thing is, I got saved, I got into it by the Holy Spirit, and April 18th, 2021, I'm preaching. Like miracle. Like, friends from high school, like, you do what? I'm like, yeah, no, it's crazy, huh? Because I didn't want anything to do with this. I had friends in college try to share scripture with me. And I'm like, yeah, that's good for you, man. That's good for you. I don't need it. I'm... Like simple truths, like all have sinned, like John three sixteen type of truths. And I'm like, yeah, that's good for you. Yeah, that's good for you. Yeah, that's good for you. I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't care about it. I didn't get it because I didn't have the mind of Christ and I didn't have the Holy Spirit. So that's the thing. I really want to encourage you. If you're here this morning and, and online and wherever you're listening to this, if you Love God if you understand spiritual truths. That's a miracle. Amen? That is evidence that you've been born again and you have the Holy Spirit. Because you have the mind of Christ. I mean, I don't know. That, that just, I, I don't know, Carrie an That just makes me kind of go, yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, think about that. Like, according to the passage we just read, if you're a natural person, you think, how many of you, I love this, right? Uh, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of God for they are folly to him. How many of you thought this was folly? Silly. Myth. Legend. Religiosity. All under folly. And now you're here. And now Mark's an elder, by golly. It's a miracle. Don't don't miss that. It's a miracle. I, I, it's supernatural. I just, I, I can't, I don't know. I just, I, I it's supernatural. You know, I, I officiated at Travis and Emily's wedding yesterday, and I'm always so blown away at weddings because I get, when I say the words, God supernaturally makes them one. You get what? That's supernatural. Like, that's not just the state of California. That's a God thing. Amen. Right, right. Paul and Diana, that's a God thing, right? You're one. And it's the same supernatural sense we can never lose. If you understand this, if you get this, you have the mind of Christ, and you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, something about the third person of the tr- Trinity in me like, rocks my world. Like, what? Okay, so now we go back to what I started with. But where are you with this, this morning? Where have you been this week with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, right? Because we'll, we'll all agree with 2 Timothy 3.16, most of us anyway. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right? Well, here, it's in our statement of faith. We affirm the inspiration and the authority of Scripture, Right? But do we still appreciate it? Does it still kind of like rock your world that, right? Here we go. Put them up. Does it still rock your world that, that this is inspired by God, right? I mean, ah, where are you? Where are you, right? And so it's the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And, and we're going to advance just a little bit today on, on the teaching of this verse because I think many of us don't even understand what's being said in the verse in the second half. So we understand the necessity of the Holy Spirit, right? When it says the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, that word for word, you really have to know and understand. Because in the Bible, there's, there's two main words when it, when it refers to the word of God, okay? There's logos, and there's chrema, right? And it's one of those words where they put the little H sound. So I, I was like, I got to say it right. Chrema, right? So Lagos refers to the complete revelation of God. That would be the canon of scripture. Okay? Chrema is a specific scriptural truth for a specific situation. Now, which one do you think is referred to in verse 17? Lagos or Chrema? Okay, thank you, Jeremiah, <laughs> right? So take the sword of the spirit, the of God, which means when you're in battle, you need to know a specific truth for your specific situation at that time. Put it another way, if the, if the devil somehow miraculously, whatever, shows up here, it's not going to do me any good to throw my Bible at him. I need to know what to say to him specifically. So when it says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it means in the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I need to be prepared to give specific scriptural truths to specific situations that confront us. That is hand-to-hand combat. That's thrusting. When something happens in your life and the Holy Spirit enables you because you have been diligent and you have studied and you've trained and you know what scriptural truth to come back with, now you're doing Ephesians 6.17. You're not just generally saying, I believe in the Bible, I'm a Christian, the Bible is God's word, and that's plenty, that's all I need to know to go, no, no. Ephesians 617 says, you need to know specific scriptural truths and principles for specific situations in your life. That's using the sword of the Spirit. Right? It's Shrema. John 1.1, 1, 1, give you some examples of the two different ways. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, logos and the word, Lagos, was with God, and the word, Lagos, was God. Okay, so in that particular verse, it's all logos, right? 6.17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, krema, of God. You've got to know the difference. Okay? John MacArthur says this. The term Paul uses here, For word is not logos, which refers to general statements or messages, but is crema, which refers to individual words or particular statements. The apostle is therefore not talking here about general knowledge of Scripture, but is emphasizing again the precision that comes by knowledge and understanding of specific truths. Like Jesus did in the wilderness, we need to use specific scriptural truths to counter specific satanic falsehoods. Amen? It's specific. It's hand-to-hand. It's hand-to-hand. It's not broad-brushing general statements. Okay? Ray Steadman says this. The word logos refers to the total utterance of God, the complete revelation of what God has said. The second word, krema, means a specific saying of God, a passage or a verse that has special application to an immediate situation. It implies a use of the word of God that is applied to a specific experience in our lives. Does it kind of challenge you a little bit to know this a little more in depth? Got to be specific. It's hand-to-hand. It's thrusting. Tip-of-the-spear stuff. Right? In Matthew 4... Right, Matthew four one through eleven. Right, we, when the devil came three times, what what did Jesus say in response to the temptations? It is, it is written. Jesus role modeled this. He gave specific scriptural answers to each temptation from the enemy. It is written. It is written. It is written. Matthew four one through eleven. Now, here's the crazy thing. What many of us, when you study that passage, many people don't recognize and have never really uh, emphasized, in verse 6, the second temptation, the devil says, for it is written. The devil came at Jesus with the words, for it is written, which means what? The devil came at Jesus using the word of God out out of context, falsely. So the devil can come and twist this and even say it is written. That's false teachers. And But if we don't know, then we just kind of say, well, you know, he or she's on TV and they're holding up a Bible. Must be true. Because we just sort of accept that, well, you know, they say they believe in the Bible, so everything they say must be accurate and true. You got to check it out you got to be like the Bereans. Even everything I say or Bill says on Thursday nights or Randy on Tuesday nights or whatever Bible study you're in, you have the responsibility to check it out. Right? Because even the devil tried to use, isn't that crazy? The devil tried to use scripture against Jesus. And if he's going to try to twist scripture and say it is written to Jesus, I think he might use the same against us, right? You heard something and then someone says, hey, you know, but the Bible says, and you just took it as gospel truth and it spun you for years because you never checked it out and you never developed your own answer back scripturally. We got to understand the importance of the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the Chrema of God. That's why the church, in many ways, is unhealthy and is spun. Because we've not answered. So much has just come in and we've accepted it. We've just accepted it blindly. Because they say they believe in the Bible as a whole. Though they say they believe in the Logos. Right? And we just kind of took it for granted. And then when you start to to understand this and you go, wow. Wow. The power of God, the Holy Spirit, specific situations, you start to see God move in your life and in the lives of others, right? I love this, uh, Ray Stedman shares this example. He says, a man once came to me for counseling. He was in the grip of a terrible emotional and spiritual depression, one of the most lonely, isolated, miserable people I have ever met. And we met together every week for over a year. His liberation began when he decided to pray a single phrase of Scripture whenever he was in the grip of his depression. It was the one portion of Scripture this man could, in faith, lay hold of. He rejected everything else I tried to point out to him. But one phrase stuck with him, and he prayed it again and again. The words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will, but yours be done. At last... Slowly, like the sun coming up, the light began to dawn. And you could see the change in his life. Today he is living a normal, free life. He was set free by the sword of the Spirit, the Chema, the saying of God given specifically for his situation. Amen? That's when you in many ways, take ownership and responsibility for your walk with Jesus. And you are—you come on Sundays or you go to Bible studies, you hear the word of God, you let the Holy Spirit bring specific verses to your specific life situations, and now you're experiencing your own freedom and victory in your own relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. Amen? You're like not dependent on me, not dependent on the well, not dependent on Monday night, Tuesday night. You're... You now have the joy of walking in truth in the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is speaking his word to you all the time. Amen? That's empowering. And then the crazy thing is, someone calls you, hey, you know, I'm really going through this, or hey. And then how many of you have ever had the experience, the beautiful experience of the Holy Spirit giving you scriptural truth to share with someone? And they literally say, that is exactly what I needed to hear. That wasn't you. That was the Holy Spirit through you. Isn't that awesome? Like the Holy Spirit knows what this person's going through. God loves this person. God knows you know his word. He puts you together. He says, just say this and get out of the way. Just be the messenger and let the Holy Spirit pierce this person's heart and bring healing and, and forgiveness and reconciliation. You're just the messenger. Amen? That's the joy we have. That's why we have to be in the word. Because we get to that level of skill with the sword. Well, we're ready for hand-to-hand in our own life and even brothers and sisters who need that specific word. Amen? That's what we're talking about. So the question again is, where are you with the word of God? It's like it is the word of God. You understand it supernaturally this morning, like wow moment, right, and now it's not just like broad, yeah, I believe in the Bible it's like nope it's like you mean God can speak to me through his word to the very situation i'm in, yup that's kind of right see when when someone comes in for counseling whatever nature, whatever nature or someone wants to you know what one of my first prayers is before a counseling meeting? Like literally, Lord, I need you and your Holy Spirit to give me your word for this person. I don't even try to overthink it. And then I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, and I'm trying to hear what's going, what God's really saying or what what's this person's really expressing. And I'm like, and even as they're talking to me, I'm like, Lord, give me your word. What? Let it be from you, not from me. What, where do we go with this? And, and any Any time. I have a counseling situation, I am so dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to speak truth into that situation. That is my number one concern. Not to try to fix it, not to even try to make them feel better. Because a lot of times, honestly, when I share scriptural truth, they don't initially feel better. Because I know. But in the end, As a church that believes in the power of the word of God and the truth and authority of the word of God, whether it's on a Sunday or a Bible study or in a counseling session, all we're going to give you here is the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all we have. We're going to listen. We're going to love you. We're compassionate. But in the end, we're going to seek the Lord together to say what God's word says about your situation. And then we're going to walk you through it to bring application. That's how we do it here. Because we recognize it's got to be a work of the Spirit. It's got to be a work of the Spirit in your life. I can rant and rave. I can do all kinds. I can do jumping jacks up here. I can scream. I can. We can do all kinds of theatrics. I can have Isaac like change the lights, and do... we we could do all kinds of pyrotechnics. We could have fireworks in here. And in the end, if the Holy Spirit doesn't move, then it was just a bunch of hoopla. Right? And I understand that. Every Sunday, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to go up there. I've studied. I've sought you for the message. But I, got, I, I understand. I am not going to convince or out-debate anyone on a Sunday morning. I can just lead you to the truth and speak it as accurately as I can based on what I studied. Okay? And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. Take some time this week to really assess your current heart condition with the word of God. Where are you? Okay. I'll close with this passage and then we're going to pick up here next week. It says this in Hebrews five, the writer really wants to tell the listeners, the recipients of the letter, he really wants to tell them more about Jesus priesthood. He really does. Right. But there's a catch. And this is what he says. This is the writer, and this is what he's saying to his readers. He says this, about this, which is the priesthood of Jesus, about this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And for, for, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. He says, hey, you know what? I really want to share with you some incredible, powerful truths about the priesthood of Jesus. But here's the problem, guys. You're dull of hearing. Now, what he's saying, okay, let's understand when he says you're dull of hearing, saying, hey, guys... The problem isn't with my teaching style, and the problem isn't with the content. The problem is y'all. Now think about that in the context of church. Oh, the sermon, that was so boring. And oh, man, they're going through that book. That book's, oh, Leviticus, oh, that's so boring, you know? You know, the Old Testament. Who Who studies the Old Testament anymore, right? And we, like, we put, like, we have this like, okay, pastor, entertain me, give me a good illustration, be dynamic, yada, yada, yada. And if, if it doesn't work, it's, it's because of the teacher or the content. And what they're saying in Hebrews 5.11 is the real problem is you become dull of hearing. It's the listener who has the issue. And I'm wondering this morning, how many of us might be dull of hearing? Maybe you started out really excited. And I still remember uh, uh, when was it in the late 80s, 88, 89, I got my first Bible, right? It was at a, a sunrise service at SeaWorld. We were at a big church at Calvary, and they used to rent, uh, not Shamu Stadium, but a, uh, a stadium at SeaWorld. And they would have Sunrise, Easter, and SeaWorld. We all go to SeaWorld, right? And I got my first Bible at SeaWorld, right? And I'm like, whoa, that's a Bible. You know, I grew up in Roman Catholic Church. You don't have your own, I didn't have my own Bible. And then i was like, whoa, you can write in it. You can highlight. And then, you know, and I'm like highlighting. Like, that's the Bible. I have my Bible. And I was like walking out. This is, this is my Bible, right? I have my Bible, right? And I'm all excited. Like, right, Bill, you know this, right? Bill has the same story, right? His, his Bible still got duct tape all over it, right? He's like, you got your Bible, it's the word of God, and I get it, I get it, you know, I get it, man, I could read this, I get it, and then you're in church, and I'm like, oh. and after a while, I'm like, hon, you see my Bible? I misplaced it, I don't know where it is, oh man, yeah, again, quiet time, yeah, no, I didn't have my quiet time, man, oh man, ooh, yeah, maybe I can squeeze it in, maybe, I can, maybe I'll squeeze it in, I'll give, I'll give the Lord five minutes, and the Bible, like, uh, you know, oh, all I have to do is one verse a day. That's sweet. And over time, we just get more and more dull to hearing. Right? And, and honestly, it might just be laziness. And we become apathetic, lethargic. And right? And, right? Or here's a challenge. I'm just going to be straight up honest with y'all. The challenge in American church, because of those... Well, let's make it easy for everyone to see and read the Bible. Let's put it on the screens. What happens to people bringing their Bibles when it's on the screens? We don't bring them anymore. We just don't bring them anymore. Oh, where's your Bible? Ah, we don't need it. It's up on the screen. That's a challenge. Because, you know, I'm conflicted. I want you to get it. I want you to get it at home. We, we've put a lot of time and effort to make sure every word is spelled correctly. Because if it isn't, we know we're going to hear about it. <laughs> you didn't remember anything about the sermon. But by golly, you're going to let us know that it should have been an E instead of an I because of the rule of the C thing. And I'm like, gotcha. Thank you. Thank you. But you see where we become? We're so numb to the word of God that we get more lit on a misspelled word on a a screen than like the word of God, which can save people through the power of the Holy Spirit, which can set you free, which can like bring reconciliation to homes and marriages, the power of the word of God. And we want to like let the church know that it's an I before E except after C. I don't know. Except for this verse, have we, have we become dull of hearing? Have we become, because it says you should be, many of you should be teachers by now. And I'm not talking Monday night, Tuesday night, Bible study leaders. It says all believers, at some level, you should be teaching other believers. Where does it say that? Okay, I'm going to remind you right now. Colossians 3.16. Let me go back. Colossians 3.16. Do you see it there? Oh, there we go. Okay. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing who? Hmm. In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Note to all of you, this is not written to pastors. This is a body verse. This is Chema right now. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, church, richly, teaching and admonishing who? One another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see? We're all teachers. And then back in Hebrews 5, he says, many of you, you ought, to be, you ought to be able to speak truth to one another now. You should be encouraging, counseling, admonishing one another, teaching context. That's where you should be. And he says, but you became dull of hearing. Over time, you got comfortable. You got dependent on the pastor, the paid professional. Right? You got the the great elders that teach at the church and your Bible studies Monday night, video, the women's ministry, the men's ministry, you know. Instead of understanding you, we should be teaching one another. Emma, we all have the sword. We all have the sword of the Spirit, right? And so I just want to, we'll just leave it there for today. Where are you? What you're hearing, the dullness or the sharpness of your hearing. Maybe things are good. Maybe you're like solid. You love God's word and you're like good to go. I don't want to discount that many of you. Might be there, right? Look at these Psalms Psalm 119. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Verse 97. Oh how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Do you? I don't know. Sometimes I'm thinking about sports all day long more than the Bible. I'm thinking about stock market all day long. I'm thinking about right. Meeting my needs or something that's bugging me all day long. Then I come across these. Psalm 119, right? Again, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. (laughs) That's a rim, What are you rejoicing in? Is there anything you're rejoicing in more than God's word? Are you delighting in God's word? Right? And and I'm not beating you over the head because, I, you know, this is a check for me. I'm like... You know, do I just go into God's word because I have to prep a sermon? Do I just go into God's word because I have to do a marriage ceremony? Do I just go into God's word because I have a counseling session and I kind of know what it's about, so I better brush up? See, my challenge is that I professionalize the word of God. I only get into this because I need something for my job. But am I delighting in it for me personally because it's the word of God to me and I'm born again and have this Holy Spirit in the mind of Christ and I just love God's word because he saved little old me. Yeah, I'm right with you. I'm like right with you this morning and at home. And I'm right with you in saying only the Holy Spirit can change my heart and your heart. It just begins with being honest. Amen? Just be honest. This is not a guilt and condemnation thing. This should actually be hopefully a Sunday of confession and Repentance, if necessary, and freedom and resolution to just go out with the right heart. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Thank you that if we know Jesus... We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We once thought it was folly. Now it's like truth. Now it's power. Now it's life-changing. So thank you. Thank you, Father, for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that you've given to us already. And yet this morning, I just really sensed that you wanted some honesty in your children. Beginning with me. Are we delighting in your word? Do we love your word? Are we excited? Just, do we really appreciate the word of God because it's your word? Or have we become dull of hearing? Are we numbed? Are we apathetic? Are we lethargic? Is it ho-hum Christianity, ho-hum Bible time? I don't know. But Father, I know that there's an enemy that doesn't want us in the word of God. So if there, maybe we're at this morning is because of the schemes of the enemy. Whatever the cause is, maybe it's just our own, our own sinful nature. I don't know. But Father, we come before you. There's nothing hidden from your sight. You say if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I just want to take this time as we prepare for communion to have a, just a time con- of confession specific to our heart and the Word of God. And if we've grown numb and dull, we confess it. We call it what it is. We choose to turn from it. And we ask you in the power of the Holy Spirit to change our heart in this area. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us like you do. And as we now take this time of communion, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. And even the words in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. So we surrender, we submit afresh and anew today. We take this time of communion again in remembrance of Jesus, what he did for us on Calvary.